In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from the Hall of Dogma... Brought to you this week by the death of the Atari. Welcome in to episode 92 of the Gospel Friends. I am Reverend Verbage. The only acceptable way to bring it to us this week is the 92 Alabama National Champions. Brought to you this week by Gene Stallings or something like that. We will uh, now pause if you want to go and throw up and come back. You can. <laughs> and we're back. I'm, uh, I'm Chase, Captain Crunchy Thompson. I am Chris Atwood, the king of memes. I am Debbie Atwood, the mom of twins. The mom nice. of twins. Who of you, which you can hear in the background. Uh, which you may hear in the background as we have turned the Hall of Dogma studio into a nursery. nursery. <laughs> and by the way, Bernard stinks as a nursery worker. <laughs> we, yes. have, we have asked him to watch the kids, and, and he is not doing a good job of it. Conspicuously absent, Nicholas Jenkins. Where is Nick? Uh, somewhere with the manual. So we we probably need to catch everyone up because so last week something happened that has not happened in ninety ninety one episodes of the Gospel Friends and that is we did not record for a week we took a week off why did we do that you know David that's a that's a good question in trying to analyze what happened last week I don't know if I have a good answer why did we not record last week. I'm just going to say that we had a battle uh, with supervillains that we had to take care of, and it just kept us out of the studio for a week. How about I, that? I think that probably is going to be a good official explanation, because okay. that's close to the truth. Let's just go with that. Now, in the meantime, while we were gone, um, All heck me- meantime in the Hall of Dogma. Mm, gracious. So we have a Facebook group, if, if this is one of your first, first times to listen to the show. We have a Facebook group you can reach go- by going to thehallofdogma.com, Facebook Sorry, a Facebook page. And one of the prime members of that Facebook page. Probably Optimus Prime. As yes, far as members probably go. so. Like the, the alpha male of, yes. the, of the Hall of Dogma. And part-time co-host, the General. Yes. The General has went AWOL. He has actually left the Hall of Dogma on Facebook. Shocking. It, it was a big deal. There was like four or five posts out there. Now earlier, Chase, you had a theory as to why he left. You wanna you wanna share that with everybody? Well, I mean, I don't know how appropriate it is to share. You know, I guess we're just amongst friends. Yeah. So I have been working on a side investigation for you know several years now, trying to figure out the number of people shot <laughs> and or uh, ended by the general. Yeah. And. I wonder if there are other law enforcement agencies that are also working on that. Yeah. And, and maybe, maybe they caught up with him. And so he's went underground? M- maybe. I mean, I haven't seen him, so. Yeah. I don't know. I think I, I have to quote the infamous NWA, you, you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself because a shotgun shell is bad for your health. Okay. So <laughs> that, that that sounds like something Emmanuel would say. So it does sound. I, that's words to live by. I, I, I'm going to. Pull the Hashtag Dr. Dre. I'm going to pull the I'm 
of of everyone here, and if Nick was here too, I, I'm probably the closest to the general. Him and I have been friends for quite a while. This is my theory. Okay? Yeah, okay. That the, the general has a brand new baby in the house. Mm. So there's there's a lot of stuff going on at the house that hasn't, you know, they're having to adjust to. And then there's been a lot of politic talk in the Hall of Dogma and uh, kind of a lot of people debating politics. Eh. I actually think he left before he killed someone. Oh, now that's kind of the reverse of my yeah, theory. Yeah, like I think I think he was trying to do the Christ-like thing of I'm about to go off on someone, and so I'm just going to back off for a while. That's interesting. So you don't think he's in a supermax prison somewhere nah, under nah, constant government nah, watch? No, nah, no. Nah. I think he was trying to stay out of prison. Okay, that makes that, sense. That's my theory. So, right. but we want him to. We hope he comes back. And like, here's another question. I love the guy. Ha, has he just left the Hall of Dalton? I mean, like, would he still do the show if we called him and asked him? Is he still listening? Is he still listening? I mean, there, there's a lot of questions. Is he actively shooting somebody I te- right now? I texted him. <laughs> I texted him to just kind of see if, like, what I could find out. And he, Did wasn't, he, shoot you? he wasn't give me much. Oh, okay. I didn't press it. So, uh, so, and we've we've also lost Nick. Nick is gone. Well, that's a bit, bit more. That's an equally complicated issue okay. because Nick is not just gone for uh, these this episode and last episode, but he's gone for a bit. Indeed. Now, how long's a bit? Well, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. But Nick, Nick is taking a sabbatical. He. Ha- Let me ask you a question. Ha- is okay. there any truth to the rumor that he left because of a personal or interpersonal dispute with the gospel friends? Well, I. I I'm not I'm not at liberty to say. Well, let's ask Chris. Chris, is there any truth to the rumor that Nick has left the podcast temporarily because of an interpersonal dispute amongst the gospel friends? I do not believe it was amongst the gospel friends, but he may be oppressed and held down by another source or person, so I'm still going to rally around the tag of free Nick. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What if, what if in a week or two a new podcast pops up that is the General and Nick together? Mm. That would be a shock. Trying to take us down. Wow. So what are you and like, who is going to be the third gospel friend with Emmanuel AWOL and Nick on sabbatical? What what are we going to do? A supermodel would probably help (laughs) us compete with that. (laughs) Janet, if you're listening, that was, that was your husband, Chase. Janet doesn't listen. So (laughs) I can say stuff like that. All right. So we are. I we, just meant to podcast with us. We are actually, so we are actively looking. Uh, I guess we're we're going to do auditions, maybe, or something like that for, um, for new host of the Gospel Friends. We are. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just came something. up with this. So, okay. do you have our voicemail number? No. Oh, Nick usually does this. Dang. Yeah, I mean, do either I'm, one of you know our voicemail number? It's two zero five something. Two zero five website five seven five something. Yeah, the, that, that the, sounds The website right. is thegospelfriends.com. See well, if you, it, that's, that's like one out of, what, three or four things, so you at least got that much going for you. Yeah, but see, I want people to call and leave a voicemail auditioning as, co- as, a, as a host of the Gospel Friends. Well, you know what would be great to have on our website? Our number? Yeah, it's not there. <laughs> okay. Um, Why I, is our number not on our website? I, I don't know. Maybe I think, Nick really is. He Why could. He, All right, we're going to we're gonna try to come back to that. Uh, So I'll tell you what. Did you find it? Yeah. Actually, if if you were on a little bit quicker on the draw, you'd be able to know that the voicemail is at 205-575-5757. 
888-888-9735. Or if you're one of the international livers, you could reach them at speakpipe.com forward slash the gospel friends. Hey, hey. hey that was pretty hey, strong. Is Chris trying to audition for that third spot? Oh, he's in Alabama seven. right now. Maybe yeah. he's moved. Have y'all moved to Alabama? No, not quite yet, but I do have a plastic doppelganger that is here ready and able. <laughs> okay. Plastic Chris Atwood, definitely. Um, and, and and Debbie claims earlier, she said that actually the real Chris Atwood is better looking than the plastic one. Is that true? That's not a direct quote, but yes. Okay. Yeah, well, well we couldn't do the direct. We kind of had, had to water that down it. just a, you know, a little bit. <laughs> hey, where did you get our contact info from? That was on one of the recent episodes. If you go to oh, okay. thegospelfriends.com, okay. you would know clicking okay. on any episode will lead you to any of the information on pertaining episode and okay. their general information. So so take that voicemail that the non-gospel friend member knew and just gave you yeah. and call us and leave leave like a 60-second recording with 60 seconds of you uh, auditioning to be a gospel friends host, yeah, you, that, you could that's you a could just idea. like you were here and and doing a segment with us or whatever, and 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 we'll play some of those on the air if we get right. some good ones, and then yep. maybe if you're really good enough, we'll bring you in um, and, until we can figure out what happened to the general and Nick. The yeah. question I have is, do they have to be like here in Alabama on location? Because if nah, they're nah. not, uh, then you'll get people from all over. Hang on, let me ask you a question. Okay. Do you do you have enough technical expertise to be able to to pipe someone in? From that's a that's a good question. I feel remotely? like I could learn. Okay, but um, at this point, like for instance, if we got a text that said, "Hey, this is John Piper. I heard y'all were recording today. Yeah. I'm on standby. Just go ahead and bring okay. me in." Yeah. I would have a panic type moment because I okay. don't know what I would do about that. So I tell you what we're gonna do: you leave us voicemails from all over, and yeah. if you're good enough, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll yeah, find the, a way. Yeah, we'll if find a way. If the talent level is high enough, okay. we, we'll make it find work. All right. Well, we need to focus on episode 92, where we do have guests in the room today. We are very thankful for uh, Chris and Debbie Atwood from <laughs> Ohio joining us today. They they came to church here at the Hall of Dogma Church. Did you want to ask them about that? Uh, we will, but real quick. I want to ask him about that, but I do want to go back and explain my Atari comment. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, so the Atari 2600 was discontinued after 15 years of production in 1992, which I didn't no actually kidding. know they continued producing the Atari until 92. But, yes, from 1977 to 1992, one of the great video game systems of all time was in production. All right, what was your favorite Atari 2600 game? Pitfall. That's the wrong answer. Two. Oh, Pitfall 2, I believe. That's the right answer. Yeah. I'm impressed. Yeah. Give me yeah. some fists. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Pitfall 2 was Because that is better. the right answer. Pitfall yep. 2 was the finest Atari 2600 game. Yep. All right. So, Chris, how did uh, give us some impressions of visiting the Hall of Dogma church You're this morning. You're not going to ask Debbie first? Isn't that a little rude? You do not want to ask Debbie. Oh, oh, wow. Scary. Really? You didn't like the church? Hang on, let me no. get the, let me get I'm the just, mute. I can no, it sounded like you were saying that no. you did not have good things to oh, say. Snap. I don't know how to mute yeah. her. Oh, oh. Oh, no. Uh, All right, time out. Wait, 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 wait. Just get Chris to mute her. It's, he's, they're like an Ephesians family. I don't know. We, we have to bring in the big gun. You know, the Apostle Paul about something remaining silent while we're in here. I don't know. Can okay. you look that, that, that reference up real quick All for right. us? So, Chris, we'll let you go first, then we'll, we'll ask Debbie. But I can, I can edit and post. Please don't that. let the fact that I just gave you a Gospel Friends T-shirt in any way... <laughs> 
in any way, Judd, it calls you to to uh, you know say something you wouldn't have said otherwise. Although that that's going to be a fine looking shirt on you. That mm. will be, even though it might have been used for cleaning the area. But yeah, <laughs> no, um, it, it was great. I think that there is a lot of genuine community and fellowship that's going on here. Uh, you've heard from some of the others that have been here before in previous podcasts after they visited uh, the Martins and such. Um, just yeah, there there is a genuine community that happens here, and that's really great to see. I really appreciated one thing that uh, I did notice is you're equipping and you're commissioning people that are being able to do the ministry, uh, the work of the ministry, as Paul tells the leaders to do and the elders. And uh, that was awesome, getting to see prayer happening. And when anytime there's a prayer need or there's a uh, something that's represented, you are calling other people out and just enabling them and saying, hey, I want you to go grab another person, grab a small team, just go pray with that that person, pray for that need. So that's really cool, and that was awesome. Don't normally get to see that because it's normally um, not a representation of the priesthood of believers. People are just sent straight to the pastor, and uh, that was great to get to see them being able to do that. Well, praise God. Thank you, Chris, for that. And it was it, encouraging. Yeah, Give it really was. T-shirt. And it just, it just dawned on me that... Um, now it kind of seems like we were fishing for compliments. I was, so I, was thinking I tell you what, De- Debbie, let's go over to you. Tell us something that you just really didn't like about your visit this morning. Something about the church that you would just say, uh, you know, I, I probably would change that if I went here or something Gentlemen, like that. Gentlemen, I hope you're wearing a cup. <laughs> Chase, I'm not. Chase. <laughs> I'm scared. No, I feel really bad. I don't want to make them sound bad because the service this morning was awesome. Yeah. And uh, the people were nice. Yeah. But, but. Here, here it comes. Here it comes. <laughs> but I love it. No, I always tell Chris, I'm like, but I love you. Um, I'm trying to Wait word this it. nicely. Wait for I'm it. I'm trying to word it nicely. Okay, give me a sec. Okay. okay. When we came in, yeah. uh, there was not a greeter. Ooh. Yeah, we Nick don't have greeted greeters. us. Nick, Nick happened to be out in the little foyer area. Yeah. And was like, hey. Where the greeters was, would which be. Which was nice. If we which had was, some. Yeah, I mean, that was nice. Uh, anyway, so we came in, yeah. didn't know anyone. Mm-hmm. Everybody was kind of just talking amongst themselves. There was no direction of like... Um, no widows or orphans in sight. No, well, there just was no one to tell us like where to go. Other mm. than Nick, who only because he knew we were coming, yeah, kind of helped us out there. Yeah. Um, so that was one thing that was kind of lacking. Um, well, let me ask you, would you prefer a person to do that or like signs? What, what do you think would be better? Um, a person to greet you when you came in. Yep. You guys didn't have an, a bulletin or announcements. No. So you guys didn't give us that. We don't have a we bulletin. Don't do that. Yeah. We don't have a bulletin. And, um, I mean, signs no would paper. be, would be okay. You know um, who would do the bulletin? Nick. But he, but he's gone. Yeah. I'm going to miss him. You miss them when they leave. He did a bulletin once. He did. Yeah. Just once. So, I do the bulletin every week. Yeah, oh, nice. This is a pretty common this mm-hmm. is a pretty common uh thing, uh knock on the HOD churches. Yep. We don't we don't have greeters or bullet you know, some information to hand. So See, I like you, I didn't know where to take my children are um they just turned a year in January. So I didn't know where to take them. I didn't know where to change their diaper when we got there. Yeah. Um I didn't know i mean i could tell when we came into the main sanctuary um that like this the sanctuary is towards the front and then you guys had tables and hangout area in the back like i kind of got that but it just would be nice if there was like a sign or something 
okay. to help people who've never been All right, here. So you're thinking a sign, or it would have to be more than one sign. So you're thinking that would be better than That people. would be helpful, or plus both. one person to greet. One people person, who are new. One, one greeter. And signs. See, okay. see okay. here's the, here's we're, the we're thing. We're still learning about church. Here's the, here's <laughs> the thing that can be, comp- I mean, not complicated, but just um, helpful for you guys. Um, Cause you are so very community, like community oriented around here. You notice who's new and you go up to them and you talk to them, which is fine. But other than that, it seems to me that you have no way of following up with people who are visitors. And so the goal is for your visitors to stay and to become part of a, go- a hall of dogma church. Oh, careful there. Oh, yeah. Hey, oh. hey, hey. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> just- so. So you need you need someone to like make that connection with them. Yeah. So a greeter and yeah. some kind of follow up information, something to help them know who your church is would be helpful. Okay. That is interesting about not having greeters. And I would actually say that I've heard that over the years. And I think that back in the day when we did have greeters, that was not a ministry that I think necessarily people thought real highly of like, oh, I'm a greeter or would you be a greeter? And people don't maybe think about, hey, that's important or this is this this is a, you know, a ministry that I would want to serve in. I mean, it's a greeter. But the more you hear things like that from visitors of, hey, it's nice to have someone to just welcome you when you come in the door and show you, tell you where to go and what to do. You realize, well, it is an important it is an important. It's almost like if you went to someone's home, it's the difference between just walking in the door of someone's house and trying to find somebody versus someone greeting you at the door, welcoming you and 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 and, and hearing things like That's that actually analogy. makes me think yeah. about being it being more important than people think of that being. Well, like not greeting only that, is an important ministry. Not only that, but think about you've heard the statistic like in the first so many minutes of someone meeting you, they they decide if they like you or not. Yeah. It's the same thing. You go to a restaurant. Yeah. Okay. You decide very quickly if you like this place or not. Re- yeah. Regardless of how good the food is, it's how they treat you yeah. when you get there. Um, and the church is the same way. I mean, there are, there are going to be people out there who are going to show up at your church and who are going to try it out. And they're going to be like, these people were rude when uh, or they were super nice and I want to come yeah. back because they were nice. Um, it's all about relationships. Mm. The church is about the body, which is what you were talking about, community. And um, you have to be able to graciously welcome in outsiders. Yeah. So. It's a good word. There are many means of grace throughout the service, and that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's definitely one of them. All right, well, we're going to talk about church a little bit further, but we're not going to talk about the Hall of Dogma Church. We're going to talk <laughs> about... Church versus little yeah, church. Yeah, big church versus big church versus little church. And um, we were going to do a serial review. Are we too pressed for time, Chase, you think, to get that it's, in? It's looking a little dim. i tell you what, what. How about this? How about let's start the discussion, and okay. can we just do the serial as the discussion is going? Can hey, we, we do that? that. you got a That's video cool. to play as yeah. well. So uh, I, the, the serial that I'm going to pass out, is from our good friend Jeremiah Martin, who sent us a box of Cheerios protein with uh, cinnamon and almond uh, clusters. And it's a, kind of a gospel friends thing, if you've never listened to our show before, is that we enjoy cereal and we do cereal reviews. So we're going to pass that around, let everybody have a little as we go into this discussion, which is starting us off. It was an Andy Stanley 
video, uh, Andy Stanley's sermon. Andy is a pastor of a of a mega church in Atlanta or outside of Atlanta. Yep. And uh, do you have the audio that we're going to listen to, I Chase? Did. Yes. All right. Ready? So this was from a recent Andy Stanley sermon. Listen to this audio, and then we're going to talk about it. All right. So this is going to be just short of two minutes. Uh, so. Here we go. This is Andy Stanley this past week speaking to this church. The title of the message is, I think, Saved by the Church. So here's the clip. Now, this is one reason we build big churches. People say, why do you have to make them so big? Let me tell you why we make them so big. You probably didn't know this. This is kind of an insider secret. We want churches to be large enough so that there are enough middle schoolers and high schoolers that we don't have one youth group with middle school and high school together. We want there to be so many adults that there will be so many middle school and high school kids that we can have two separate environments. So when I hear adults say, well, I don't like a big church. I like about 200. I want to be able to know everybody. I say, you are so stinking selfish. You care nothing about the next generation. All you care about is you and your five friends. You don't care about your kids. Anybody else's kids are like, what's up? I'm saying, if you don't go to a church large enough come on if you don't go to a church large enough where you can have enough middle schoolers and high schoolers to separate them so they can have small groups and grow up the local church you are a selfish adult get over it find yourself a big old church where your kids can connect with a bunch of people and grow up and love the local church instead what you do can you tell i'm passionate about this yeah here's what you do i, I mean, i'm so sick of this i hear this all the time well i just don't like a big church well, okay, look, look, so here's what you do. You drag your kids to a church they hate, and then they grow up and hate the local church, and then they go off to college. And you know what you pray for? You pray there for there will be a church in their college town that they connect with. And guess what? All those churches are big. The kind of church you don't like, so let me move on. Let me just say this. Don't, parents, don't attend a church that teaches your children to hate church. Don't attend a church that teaches your, church, your kids to hate church. All right, so uh, pretty selfish people, you. Yeah, because I, I guess all of us are pastoring in small churches. Now, here's the thing. I, I'll say a couple of things to frame the discussion. I'll go to you first, David, for your, your feedback for this. But let me frame this discussion by two things. Number one, I agree with the end thing that Stanley says. Don't go to a church your kids hate. Um, if, if there's legitimate reasons for why they hate it you know if they hate it because they just hear hate hearing about the word or because they're incredibly immature that's that's one thing but going to a church your kids hate when they begin to understand the things of the lord it, it, i i i can almost go with him on that statement so i'll say that second thing i want to say is andy stanley is a big church guy talking about how bad it is to go to little church we're little church people that uh, I don't want to make the same mistake that he made, which is dumping on the opposite. I, I, I think there's an extreme amount of arrogance in what Andy Stanley said. But at the same time, I think a response that says big churches are nothing but compromised machines that are driven by theatrics and love of money and blah, blah, blah. I think there would be an extreme amount of arrogance and a small church advocate just blasting away at big church. The fact of the matter is, I think there's some godly big churches out there. I think there's some godly small churches out there. So I'm hoping we'll be able to have a nuanced conversation about this and not just uh, knock Andy Stanley out of the water. And I, I think we probably at some point need to say that he has since apologized for his words. But very clearly, watching the video and listening to him, 
even though he sort of repudiated what he said, I, I, it almost seems like he certainly believes it. Yeah, I, th- I think he does believe it. And by the way, as we as we uh, talk here, we're we're chomping down on some of the um, protein hmm. Cheerios protein cereal, and we'll we'll give uh, spoons in a moment as we grate it. But I, I have I, I really have no desire here today to, uh, you know, impale Andy Stanley anymore. It, it, a lot of people have written. When I first heard it, I was astonished by what he said. I texted it to Chase and Nick. This was when Nick was still a part of the show. Uh, I texted <laughs> oh, it and man. said, "I texted and said, hey guys, you know, look, hey y'all are selfish jerks. Check this out." And but then you know now everybody's writing blogs about it and everybody's is kind of railroading him for it. And and I you know it's I don't want to pile on that. I I like Andy Stanley. Um, you know, kind of keeping with my. Um, questionable company that I sometimes take up for. Um, you legit like Andy Stanley? I I like things that he has said. Uh, we, uh, uh, me and another one of the Hall of Dogma church members did a small group one time using uh, on parenting using some of his material, and it was it was pretty good. Uh, there was one kind of questionable portion of it when it came to submission in the family and what that meant. We didn't agree with his take, but. I liked that, and I've heard a few things, uh, clips from him, and some sermons from him, and he does a leadership podcast, and some of that stuff's, you know, it's it's pretty good. Andy Stanley's one of those guys to me that, like, I don't agree with, I don't know, I don't agree with maybe half of what he says, and then other, you know, sometimes there's there's things that he said that's really good. That old adage about chew the meat, spit out the bones, you know, I can listen to some guys and do that, and Andy Stanley's one of them. I enjoy listening to him. He's a he's a good communicator. That's um, for sure. I think he's one of the better communicators of our time right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's he's a good speaker, and and again, it's it's kind of I think he loves Jesus. Um, part of why I don't agree with him is we just kind of have a different mindset about ministry. I think what happened with him was I think Andy is a guy that hears criticism a lot about having a really large church. And I think after a while, that kind of eats at him. The same as we get a lot of questions about having a small church. One of the first things, if you, and I don't know, Chris, if this has ever happened to you, but you tell someone you're a pastor, one of the first common questions you get asked is, how big's your church? And it's almost kind of this, you know, if you say, well, we have 100 members or we have 50 members or whatever it is, you, you may get a, oh. It's almost like people think, well, it's not a real church because it's really small, you know, kind of deal. And after a while, that kind of wears on you, kind of get, got to get tired of that. I think Andy has heard criticism over the years about why they build churches so big. And I think he was just, he's ranted about that in private. And I think he just kind of went on a rant that he probably didn't mean to. And later he retracted and said, I think his apology was pretty funny. He said um, uh, something along the lines of, for all of you who are offended by what I said, I agree with you. I was even offended myself listening to it later. Uh, I actually think that what happened is is one of the reasons that I prefer manuscript preaching. Um, I like to go up on me personally. I like to go up with most of what I have am going to say already written out. And a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of this debate about is that better or just having a little bit of notes or an outline, but. I am prone to run off at the mouth. I am prone to say things just off the cuff and later realize, man, I wouldn't have said that. So I like going up with my prepared 
here is what I want to teach today. Just like Debbie, you were saying earlier about having this kind of, you know, we want to take the word really seriously. And, and that's one of the reasons because I go on rants privately and I could certainly go on a rant publicly pretty quickly. I just don't have to do it with 20,000 people downloading my stuff. Uh, I can, I can do it and get away with it. Um, so I'm not mad at Andy. I kind of get, Hey, if he had to do over with again, I don't think he would have said that. I think there's a difference between your private comments and public comments often. And I think all, at least I have done things like he did before in, in kind of just going on a, a little bit of a rant. And, uh, I, I think that's what happened with him. Now we can have a, a further, dis- I think the discussion we were going to try to have today was kind of large church, small church. What are the benefits? What are the, the disadvantages of each? Um, but, you know, as far as the Andy discussion, I, 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 I'm not really looking to try to criticize him any further than he's already been criticized. He apologized for it. They've taken the audio down. I mean, in, in my opinion, he's not trying to still promote what he said. He I think we the audio out of the video. I think, you, you know, he's repented. You, you know. Or you, they uh, put up a different video where he didn't go off like that. I'm not sure which one of the two things happened. Yeah, because he probably – I don't know if they – I mean, he preaches multiple times. Yeah. So, Chris, have you ever been in a, in a really larger – like a larger church, or have you always typically Somewhat been in smaller churches? Somewhat larger. Uh, the church that we came from out of Indiana was about 500 people. Uh, and I've seen some of the differences between the large, the small. Um, I have a friend of mine in Dallas, uh, Dallas suburb area, and he just uh, was brought into a position as a staff campus kind of pastor functionally. And I don't know, I just, when I think about this situation with what happened to him, you mentioned about the difference between manuscript preaching and uh, outline or topic preaching. I used to follow more of uh, an outline kind of format, but I've since transitioned, especially even uh, since this pastor that we've taken, I've taken, uh, I've gone more manuscript. And I do think that'd be a safer way to do it because like you said, you can go off on tangents, you can you know, hit rants and uh, I don't know what he preaches or how his format is, but that could have been what happened. I, I do know that uh, another pastor that I have you know, knowledge of online and uh, discussed with, that I believe that very weekend, he was at another conference, a synergy conference or something, and he had heard Andy speak. And it was upon the, you know, building up of the different churches, no matter where you find yourself or what kind of context church you find yourself in, being able to uh, utilize your gifts, your abilities for the glory of God, uh, no matter what that size is. And it, it sounds like, you know, he was probably using some, some of the same material, and maybe he did. Maybe he just went off on a rant. But uh, really, when it comes down to it, I think it's the crux of what I have at least heard through that other pastor. Um, no matter where you find yourself, it's what are you going to do to serve the body that you're in? Uh, I think one thing with the, the whole you know, fame and the propping up of people who are youth workers, student workers, student or youth pastors, uh, our detriment has been that we make the um, student pastor or the youth pastor uh, relevant and connected uh, in such a tangible and a deep way with the students uh, and that works for a time and for a period but will really function how we should and I think we will have more longevity and health as the body of Christ if instead of making the youth worker or the youth pastor connected to the youth and the students the youth pastor the youth worker makes the students connected to the larger of the body themselves instead of themselves as a person or as a ministry um, 
I, I just think that we need to connect more. And uh, it's just one of those things where, you know, he, he did, he said some stuff that at least in the context it sounds like in that sound bit. Uh, yeah, that's pretty messed up. And he owned up to it. But then again, I mean, we've got bigger and badder, you know, people to deal with. And Annie Stanley's just not one of them. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, again, I think the man loves Jesus. I think he's just, you know, there, there's, again, he's, He's getting some criticism about. Uh, I think he had some criticism on his uh, a sermon he preached about homosexuality and um, whether or not he was not taking a a, um, a biblically uh, strong stance on that issue and um, a few other things like that that have come up. But I mean, again, in general, I think the man loves Jesus and and I, I think for what he does, he's good <laughs> at it. Um, Chase, you, we've we've kind of discussed back and forth about the youth pastor, and 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 Chris was dealing with that some. But what do you think about what he said in terms of can what what smaller churches can smaller churches provide um, age appropriate ministries? Should they do that? Um, and uh, you know, is it true that it's that's just a disadvantage of a smaller church? Uh, as far as youth or children-related ministries? Well, that's, that's a great question. Smaller churches cannot provide a, generally speaking, cannot provide a large middle school group, a large high school group, or a large ninth grade group, or whatever, um, because there's just simply not enough people there to provide that. And if that's your definition of youth ministry is we have to uh, cordon off our kids by age level so that they are being taught by teachers um, in, in groups of their very near peers together, if that's your definition of youth ministry, then yeah, the, the, uh, smaller churches are at a disadvantage. I grew up in a megachurch. Um, a five to 7,000 member church is where I was baptized, uh, where I uh, was discipled, um, where I lived most of my life, um, most of my early life as, as, as a, uh, a young Christian. Um, and it was, a, it was a good and godly church, and I'm so grateful for it. The pastor was a man of prayer, a man of God, a man of humility. Um, when I was in high school, my parents, my parents changed to another megachurch in town. Uh, it was slightly smaller, not much, probably four to 5,000 members. I, I, I'm kind of guessing in that range. Um, and it was, it was not quite every negative stereotype of, of, of a megachurch, but there was a, there was a certain shallowness to it. The music was symphonic. There was a, a symphony orchestra. Um, and of course my parents really enjoyed that, but it struck me as very shallow compared to the old church, not heretical in any way. It was a Baptist church, um. But uh, so I've had a really good experience in a mega church. I've had a really bad experience. Not, not, I've had a moderately, slightly negative experience in a mega church. And then I've been in all churches of all sizes since then. When I was called into ministry, it was a 700 uh, person church, average attendance. I've seen youth ministry in all of those contexts, including what we do here at a church that averages about 120 or so. Uh, at a church that's been smaller than that, I've seen youth ministry in, in every context. And the bottom line is you can make disciples that passionately follow Jesus 
and are committed to the Great Commandment and the Great Commission in a megachurch, and you can do it in a small church. Yeah, and I think— You just do it in different ways. You just have to do it different ways. And I think, you know, again, I've never pastored in a large church like that. I will say one of the advantages, I believe, of a smaller church— and I know, Chris, you're pastoring kind of a smaller church right now. One of the things that I love about that is that I know everybody. Um, as Debbie was talking about earlier. I mean, that's one of the—I I do think that's one of the things that we have here. There is a, there is a community aspect, and, and there are advantages and disadvantages to that. Um, the advantage is, I mean, that, that's the Bible. The Bible calls us to community. One of the disadvantages is sometimes people come in from the outside can feel like they're on the outside. But you can have that as a pastor in a smaller church. You you kind of know everybody. You know what's going on. For a guy like me, who I mean, I love discipleship and I love pe- seeing people grow spiritually. I love that setting. Um, and I think larger churches try to duplicate that. They try to figure out how do we grow community here, and they usually have to do that, or, or they do that through a, a, some type of small group ministry. But on on the flip side, in a smaller church, you are usually you don't have enough people to emulate what larger churches are doing. You just can't right. do that. You can't have multiple ministries. You can't have multiple um, uh, ministries for different ages. You can't have multiple programs because you don't have enough people without burning out yeah. the people that you do have. And so you have to, on a smaller church level, just say, we can't do it all. We can't emulate what these larger churches are doing. And so then you have to really go, okay, how do we disciple people here? And that probably cannot be an age-appropriate ministry in every service for, for every age group. You just don't have the resources to do it. So you then have to say, okay, how do we do that with what we have here, with what God has given us? How do we glorify Him and make disciples? And so if someone comes into that setting and they go, oh, you don't have a middle school here, a ministry. You don't have a, a youth ministry that meets so many times a week. That may be true. Here's how we make disciples here with what God has given us today. And, I mean, that's just part of what you 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 you're, you have to deal with as a smaller church. But, but I don't think that means it's bad. I think it, it is you take advantage of what God has given you. And, and you do the best you can with what God has given you. Um, yeah, I, I think of the words of Paul to Titus and Timothy speaks about in Titus too about the older women of the church. You know, they need to be uh, showing forth a kind of lifestyle and uh, that the the younger women can emulate and just pouring into them. You know, uh, Timothy's got that you know example given in his life too. He has a you know there's there's always going to be a Paul that's in your life, someone who's going to be over you, who's going to be wiser and more advanced in you know their knowledge in their years and there's that timothy there's the barnabas alongside of you and i I just think that even in the smaller churches you've got to recognize those people uh and it's just redeeming the time making uh even the mundane things uh just kind of like in the old testament talking about you know along the way when you get up when you go down you rise you know always taking these moments to teach and to learn and um it's as simple as what I try to do every now and then. If I get the chances, if I've got to go run an errand, I will try to call someone from the church and say, hey, i got to go do this. You want to go ride along with me and just take that time to spend with them. So we can do that uh, as a small church when you find yourself in that context, but also that's kind of the function that you see even in the small group formats or whatever else that it's used to build community in a larger church too. I, The, the one thing I... 
you know, if Andy really truly believes some of the things that he said and it just kind of came out and he didn't mean for it to, I would really find a, just so much disagreement with him because I don't believe if you're pastoring a small church, the goal is necessarily to one day be a very big church. I, that may not be what God has planned. Um, I mean, you know, in Acts it says God added to their number. To, to a great degree, I think God kind of chooses that. I don't, I don't think that means you don't reach people or you don't try to reach people, but, I mean, you could be reach, reaching people and making disciples and those disciples leaving your church to go do something else, to go, you know, plant churches or do other types of ministries. So I just don't think if you're the pastor of a small church, it's, hey, one day we hope to be really big so we can do more things. That may not be what God has in, in mind for your fellowship. So I, I, I think that's where you just have to do, as Chris is saying, figure it out how it works for the church that you have. That's the command, right? I mean, Chase, it's shepherd the flock of God that is among, among you. you. So yeah. if that is 10 people or if that is 110 people or if that is 1,010 people, you're going to God and saying, this is your church, big or small, how do we make disciples here? Of every age group, how do we do that? And whether that's a combined or whether that's having an age-specific ministry, it's praying through those things as pastors and not vilifying the larger churches, not vilifying the smaller churches. We're not at war here. We're all working together for the kingdom. So I think that's the mindset we should have. All right, that's a good word. All right, well, what we'll do is we'll, we'll take a counterclockwise I mean, a clockwise tour around the table for closing statements. I'll start. Chris, that means you're uh, up next. Um, there, I will say as a father of teenage daughters, that my teenagers, there, there's, there's several, there's a good bit of teenagers here, but it's, it's not a massive youth group. My, my teenagers would prefer a larger group of teenagers to interact with. Their preference is not necessarily rooted in godly maturity, but it's not illegitimate either. I would like for them to be a larger group of teenagers for them to interact with and pursue the Lord with. I think that's good. And, and and I in a sense I can understand some some of the I, I could find some some small agreement with what Stanley's saying. I do not go all the way the direction that Vadi Bakum does. Uh, that that that, fam, that that your church has to always be family integrated. Quite frankly, I find some legalism in some of the things that Vadi Bakum says, and I find some legalism in some of the things that Andy Stanley says. They seem to be diametrically opposed to each other, and, and I think both views border on legalism, that the only way you can disciple kids is put them in middle school small groups and high school small groups, that you can't disciple them in the context of families or with older people or younger people. At the same time, I think Vadi Bakum might. I love the guy. respect him greatly. Um, but, but I think... His contention, essentially, that the only way to disciple young people is in the context of their family. I don't think that's that's particularly biblical. Yes, disciple your kids. Yes, moms and dads are are the chief ones called to disciple their kids. But to say that they're the only ones called to disciple their kids kind of uh, is reading something into the Bible that's not there because there's no indication that uh, that. Paul, for instance, didn't have some role in discipling young people, or that he did. It's just kind of a, it, it's kind of an empty area. So I feel like Andy Stanley showed his 
true colors and his true beliefs. Maybe said it in a way that he wasn't comfortable with, but um, putting aside the way he did it, I fundamentally agree with the how of what he was saying. That's my closing statement. Over to you, Chris. Yeah, I'd have to agree with what you said. I think there's the medium that needs to be found in between the two. Um, I, I really think personally, back to the story of my own dad, um, he was raised uh, Lutheran and just uh, he was forced to go to church, though. Uh, that's the, That was the issue that kind of killed it for him. I know that uh, they, they grew up pretty poor, and my father's dad was pretty hard-lined and heavy-handed. Um, he was somewhat of an abrasive and even abusive man at times, but uh, the one thing that was very severe about was you are going to church, and if we go, you're going too. Um, my dad just uh, didn't connect. He didn't feel really any kind of uh, solidification going, and part of the thing that really did it for him was also just the fact that they were poor and some of the other kids that were their age uh, cracked on them, made a lot of fun of them, held it over their heads and such. And uh, I remember my dad asking, I guess he was telling me about this. Uh, and he said, yeah, I, I asked if, uh, if there was somewhere else that I could go, if I could go with another family to some other body, some other fellowship, um, you know, I would have went, but I was not allowed. And therefore, you know, once he got the old enough to be able to make his own choices, he just threw up, you know, hey, deuces, and he, he walked out, and he left the church and has since had the same attitude all of his life. Oh, wow. And uh, just to think of what could have happened there, uh, but yet also there is that other that other stance, too, that, uh, you know, man, you are, you are the leaders of your home. Uh, even the, the single mothers out there in those kind of situations, it's, it's painful. And I know there are things that happen. There are times where uh, people pass away, people die, and uh, women are left in the home. But yet we need to know and recognize that uh, th that body is there for those, those people and those families. Uh, but still, I mean, men specifically, I'm looking, speaking to you, that uh, you need to step up to the plate and you need to you know, put your pants on and lead your home. And uh, even if there is those times where the kids don't really care, don't like it, um, evaluate it with, with care, evaluate it with wisdom, um, and evaluate it with knowledge and just giving it time and, and peace in, in your household. Um, don't let your children lead your home, but also, yes. you know, don't exasperate your children, as Paul, yes. you know, warns us to. So there needs to be that balance, but uh, lead and lead with wisdom, lead with humility, and seek the Lord and how you're leading your home. Yeah, and I think uh, Debbie had to go help Bernard um, with the kids, so I guess I'm her, her chair is empty right now. Um, I think it's just as you guys were talking, like what came to my mind was just I mean, not putting trust in the efforts of man to make disciples. I mean, I, I think you could you could do something like Andy Stanley said, like. Don't make your kids hate church. Well, he was thinking, like, it's, your kids are going to hate church if you don't have something for them um, when they get there. Um, as in, if you have a good enough program, they're going to grow up to love church. Well, that's a very kind of man-centric trust on we just need the right programs, and that'll help people yeah. love and, church. And what does that teach the kids, then? Is the church there to serve them? Or yeah, are we to or, serve or you to serve the church. The Absolutely. And, and then I think on the flip side, that it's, it's the same. It, it's like um, that— you know, somehow our kids are not going to be discipled if there is, you know, some type of separate group for them to go to. Um, you know, if if there's someone in the church who's really equipped and gifted to teach and they seem to have that that, that, that really resonates with young people, I would want my kids to, to 
sit under that and hear that because at the end of the day, I just wanted to be discipled. And so um, I want that to come from me, and I have that prime responsibility, as Chris was saying. But if there's somebody gifted in, in our church who can really speak to them and they hear that and, and receive what they're saying, then I want, I want, you know, I want that to be a part of it as well. Um, I think it's just like Chris is saying, it's praying through that. And what do you have in your church, and, and how do we make disciples? Um, yeah, see, they agree with that. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, look, there are people who go to youth group and love it and then never really got discipled. I mean, they just <laughs> loved going to youth group, but they left youth group yeah. and, and showed out that they really were never truly changed to begin with. So I don't think youth group... Having it or not having it is is the is the thing for us to put our trust in. Um, making disciples of our kids. What's the best way to do that in in the church that we're in? Making disciples of all people. What's the best way to do that in the church that we're in? And I think praying through that as a church and as parents is is the you know proper is the proper avenue. Good stuff. Um, I want to give a shout out to Josh Dean. Uh, we Josh and I have been praying. Uh, Wednesday nights here lately and his eldest comes and my eldest comes um, you know the dynamic when kids get to be teenagers my daughter Chloe doesn't listen to me quite as deeply or revere me quite as much as I would like her to because I'm her old fuddy-duddy dad and she's a teenager but I tell you what she listens to Josh and so I, I'm not saying she doesn't listen to me but I can tell she has a particular listening to Josh. And I'm glad that he's a godly guy in her life that can speak into her life the same things Chloe's dad is saying to her me. And I think that's a good dynamic and a helpful dynamic. I would never release my kids willy-nilly to people I don't know to teach them the things of the kingdom. Um, never. I, I just wouldn't trust anybody to do that. But at the same time, to say I'm the only one that's doing that is, is extremely incomplete. Uh, relative to discipleship. All right, so cereal. Debbie, you got anything to add before we move on to the closing us, closing us out with the cereal? I think I'm good. Okay. <laughs> I agree with what you guys are talking about. I was listening. Good, good. Well, it's it's been busy, but uh, we all have multiple kids here, and, and it's it's always busy, so no worries there. All right, Chris, out of five spoons, how do you rate Jeremiah Martin's Cheerios protein graceful gift to us mm, I was gonna say a three and a half uh, waited for a little bit I know with uh, our I, I wouldn't I can't say my captain my captain our, our general our general who is now gone um, he <laughs> likes the whole sustainability and <laughs> crunchiness dun, dun. yes you know uh, it held up for a while but I actually do like it to get a little bit soggy and it did um, it had a really good flavor, though. I thought some of the it was like a cinnamon, and uh, there was a sweetness to it. Yeah, I was expecting something, you know, just nasty and disgusting, or that made mm. me want to, you know, go to the gym and be all healthy and stuff. But it was it was pretty good. So I'm gonna go a little bit above a three and a half and say because of the way it held in the milk, uh, I'll give it three and three quarters. Wow, Woo. three and three quarters. Debbie, what did you what did you think? I was going to say about a three or a three and a half. And the reason why is because, to me, it tasted like Apple Jacks meets um, uh, honey bunches of oats with almonds. That's a good apt description. That's exactly (laughs) what it tasted like. Like, they just got together and made this baby. (laughs) I'm glad we weren't there for the production of said baby or the birthing or any of that. Yeah. 
All right. Um, I didn't like it quite as much as you guys. Part of that was probably because I'm not a big cinnamon fan and ah. not a big Apple Jacks guy. Um, Good heavens. Yeah, I just um, Apple Jacks is ambrosia. It's it's not. I mean, it was it was it was good. Um, I, I'm giving it, it. It just has a base one spoon, just because Jeremiah sent it, and I like Jeremiah. Oh, but then I'm going to add a spoon and a half for the actual cereal, so that's going to get it up to two and a half spoons for me. Heartless. Yeah, that, that's about all I can it's go on this. Low. That's probably the last yeah. cereal Jeremiah's going to send to you. Well, I mean, no, it just means send something. How do you not like different apple or cinnamon? Better. Gosh, you're not from America. I don't like apple cinnamon oatmeal either. My wife buys that stuff. That apple cinnamon oatmeal can't 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 stand it. Just cinnamon brown sugar. That's what I. Yeah, I won't. Well, I I not cinnamon brown sugar. Brown sugar and uh, (coughs) it's just brown sugar. Yeah, Yeah, just brown sugar. I'm gonna agree with Chris. The flavor is excellent. Mm. It's got a good flavor. Mm -hmm. I I like apple cinnamon. I love apple jacks. Uh, The texture is a little concerning. Maybe. Maybe I'm. Uh, it's because I expected Cheerios. There's a little, little, little more um, solidity to it than than you would find in che- Cheerios. The mouthfeel was a slightly harsher than what I expected, but I think three and three quarter spoons is the right call. Um, it, it's. I'm gonna bump mine up to four just because. There ain't no way that's a four spoon cereal. You are insane. I'm gonna explain myself. You hit your head somewhere today. Multiple times, oh, I'm sure. I, I'm going to do that because it's got added protein and three grams of fiber isn't great, but uh, maybe that'll that's just the amount of fiber you need to push you from. Uh, Basically, when you get to your age, you're taking the fiber any way you can get it, so it's I, getting extra spoons. I think that's probably yeah. a good way of putting it, Chris. So we'll give it an extra quarter of the spoon. Having some for difficulties, that, so. Captain? Hey, I didn't ever said that. <laughs> oh, but uh, you got to be aware of these things as as you get older. As you get older, and yeah. for our older listeners out there, I was just kind of adding that. For I got you. Their yeah. sake. This I see. Is not this is so not for go taste brand, for go for go taste. What we care about is this is going to help you. Uh, Get to the bathroom and get your business well, done. Well, 10 years from now, when we're doing uh, Gospel Friends serial reviews, well, maybe we're going to be thinking about that a lot okay, more. Okay, maybe I'll it's like be that the better then. But for now, you guys are crazy if you're going to Four Spoons. I'm okay. sorry. Hey, thank you, Jeremiah. Uh, what was his brother's name? Have we shouted him out today? Uh, it's um, Mr. Martin, I guess. I don't. Mr. Uh, doesn't sound familiar. Norman Mr. Martin? Norman. Yeah, Norman. It's Storman Norman. Ted Cruz Martin. Said, uh, By the way, Nathan Martin, uh, yeah, who Nathan, we're talking about, Nathan. he uh, is advocating. He's a Rubio supporter advocating that Rubio drop out of the race as of today. Yeah, I am also a Rubio supporter, and I don't particularly like Ted Cruz, but I like him a lot more than Donald Trump. I'm an uh, Emmanuel supporter, and I just want us to stop talking about politics <laughs> so he'll yeah. come back. Ooh, I forgot. That's the thing that's driving Emmanuel yeah. away. So I love I'm the sorry, general. Emmanuel. I, I love the general as well. Um, all right. I also love not being shot and all those kind of good things about life. All right. Don't forget to don't forget to uh, rewind the podcast and get the voicemail number. Send us your auditions in so we can figure out how we're going to go forward. Yeah. Uh, as the gospel friends, I mean, it could just be Chase and I, but that could also. Are we not going to say anything about Nick's sabbatical? We're just going to kind of leave it as. Look, all I know is he's not he's not going to be here for a while. I don't see him around, so he's it's going to be bad. It's going to be a while. So, all right. Nothing bad happened. We went out to lunch today. Yeah, but he's, he's wait. Gone. You saw Nick we, at lunch. Well, he's weird. no longer though. We we don't know what could have happened. I mean, you but could have we, seen the Loch Ness monster. We we're not sure. All <laughs> we know is in Alabama, he's not here, and he's not going to be here a while. Or the skunk yeah. ape. 
I'm just surprised yeah. you saw him at lunch. Was he acting normal? I don't know. I don't know him. I met him the, just today, so oh, I don't okay. know what normal <laughs> is for him. No. He was eating with his mom. I guess that's normal <laughs> for Nick. <laughs> I don't know. Hashtag mama's boy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> wow. Join us next week when you probably won't hear Nick respond to that unless he shoots me this week, but you will hear David say. So is anyone concerned about a podcast being done by someone called The General and someone called Nuclear? Is that <laughs> could that could that be a problem? Could be. Could be. Thank you, Atwoods. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is a friend of mine.